MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, April 8th, 2021. Today, a new investigation shows that white people fearing becoming the minority motivated many of the insurrectionists. Matt Gates asked Trump for a blanket pardon. The NRA's bankruptcy case isn't going well for Wayne LaPierre. A new North Carolina bill would ban treatment for trans people under 21. Ten members of Congress have joined the NAACP lawsuit against a former guy for inciting the insurrection. And big wins for Democrats in St. Louis and Wisconsin. I'm A.G. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Welcome back, Dana. How are you? How was your trip? Uh, it was, you know, it was, it was good. I had a few days in the desert and I spent a lot of time taking pictures of hummingbirds. I got, do not take me to a place that is hummingbirds. <laughs> you will lose me for the entire vacation. I get obsessed with them. They become my pod pet tags. Okay, you're gonna have to send some to Kanai so he can put them in the newsletter and the show description. Okay, <laughs> I definitely will. I'll send some to Kanai tonight so they can get in there. Awesome. So you were off yesterday. I'm off tomorrow. So you and I won't be having a stereo show. Um, but uh, I'll be back Tuesday with Andrew Torres at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 Eastern uh, on Stereo, and you can sign up there at Stereo.com slash Allison Gill. Uh, we're going to go over uh, the hot notes, but I do have the lead story is Gates stuff, right? It's, it's of course. this pardon thing, but I'm going to be going over that later in the show today. And I'll also have an insurrection update uh, as well. But we have so many headlines today, so many big stories that um, it's it's there's going to be a lot to go over. And we do have our top stories coming up shortly. So let's do that. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, lead story today is the Times reporting on Matt Gates asking the former guy for a blanket pardon for him and a bunch of his buddies. I'm going to go over that in detail later in the show. So I do want to go over some other headlines first. Uh, for example, there's some new disturbing reporting from the New York Times about Republican fundraising schemes. You know, we reported yesterday about the former guy forcing donors to opt out mm-hmm. of recurring donations mm-hmm. by unchecking a box. So maybe that was two days ago. And that was all in the fine print. Uh, and that resulted in the Trump campaign having to refund as much as $122 million to donors. Well, it's not just Trump's campaign's website either. The political arm of the House Republicans is deploying a pre-checked box to enroll donors in repeating monthly donations and using ominous language to warn them of the consequences if they opt out, saying, if you uncheck this box, we will report to Trump that you're a defector. Yeah. My goodness. They really (laughs) did just pull out all the stops on this to take advantage of them, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. And this language appears to be an effort by the National Republican Congressional Committee, the NRCC, to increase its volume of recurring donations, which are highly lucrative, while invoking former President Donald Trump's popularity with the conservative base. Those donors who do not proactively uncheck the box will have their credit cards billed or bank accounts deducted for donations every month. After the Times investigation of the RNC, the party's central organization adjusted the language on its own donation portal, which is linked to its fundraising emails and from its homepage to make it clearer that repeat donations would be withdrawn. It now says, quote, keep this box checked to make a monthly recurring donation. That's the new language. And it's in bold. The box remains pre-checked, however, and the RNC declined to comment on that change. So 
Yeah. They're, yeah. That now they're saying the RNCC is saying if you uncheck this box, we're going to report back to Trump that you're a defector. Look at the ridiculous language. They're at these scare tactics. There are Republicans everywhere pissing me off, though. Uh, to be honest with you, this is from NBC AG. Republican lawmakers in North Carolina introduced a bill Monday, as we know, that would prevent doctors from performing gender confirmation surgery for transgender people younger than 21. <laughs> I, I have so much fury in my chest because the science behind this talks about how devastating it is for transgender youth to go through puberty and then have to actually do the gender um, confirmation surgeries. Uh, the legislation follows a nationwide trend of GOP-controlled state legislatures uh, looking to limit treatment for transgender adolescents. Now, unlike other states, however, North Carolina would classify adults between the ages of 18 and 21 as minors under the Youth Health Protection Act, which is really interesting because I guarantee they don't protect, consider them minors when it comes to having sexual relations with them. I guarantee that. Yeah. Or, or, or joining the military or voting. Or, yep. Or, yep. Or voting? Indeed. So, medical professionals who facilitate a transgender person's desire to present themselves or appear in a way that is inconsistent with their biological sex could have their licenses revoked and face civil fines up to $1,000 per occurrence. Now, the measure bars doctors from providing gender confirmation, hormone treatment, puberty blockers, or surgery. This is devastating. They're basically, and I know this is going to sound crazy, trying to outlaw transgender people. Yeah. That's basically what they're doing here. So Mm -hmm. Senate Bill 514 would also compel state employees to immediately notify parents in writing if their child displays gender nonconformity or expresses a desire to be treated in a way that is incompatible with the gender that they were assigned at birth. LGBTQ advocates fear the the bill would out people under 21, who tell state workers that they may be transgender. I don't, I don't even get that. Like, So a teacher has to tell parents in writing if they display gender nonconformity. So, Based like, if, on their own bigotries of what that should look like. So like if I'm playing with trucks? Yep. Or if, if my teacher thinks tetherball is only for girls? Or if your son goes to school with fingernail polish because, I don't know, he decided to do it with his little sister or his mom? Absolutely. Yeah. Or his dad. For, for I mean, for, for I almost said for fuck's sake, but I'm going to say it anyway. I mean, men paint their fingernails too. Straight men. Yeah. They're got guy liner <sighs> immediately comes to mind. Guy liner. That's a great, I love, actually, I love that name. So this is a quote from this. Transgender youth have the best chance to thrive when they are supported and affirmed, not singled out and denied critical care that is backed by virtually every leading health authority. That was a statement from Reverend, Reverend Jasmine Beach Ferreira, who's executive director of the camp campaign for Southern equality. Now, adding to that, quote, a person's gender identity shouldn't limit their ability to access health care or be treated with dignity and respect. So Republican State Senator Ralph Heiss, who represents portions of Western North Carolina and wrote this bill, did not immediately respond to requests for comment. Shocking. Uh, GOP Senator Warren Daniel and Norman Sanderson, who represent Western and coastal areas of the state, respectively, also support that proposal. So the proposal in North Carolina will almost certainly not become law, uh, despite GOP majorities in both the House and the Senate. Uh, Senate leader Phil Berger was not immediately available for comment on whether he supports the measure and wants it to go to Democratic Governor Roy Cooper. So that is a big deal. This is huge. And I was talking to my contact at the Human Rights Campaign today. I don't think people realize this. There are over a 100 
pieces of legislation in states across this country that are trying to attack the transgender community and roll back rights for the LGBTQ community. A hundred pieces of legislation. Yeah, that's their new thing. They don't want to build anything. They don't want to make anything. They don't want to help anybody. Um, and then they attack the left for identity politics. It's mind-boggling. It's insane. Uh, also, top NRA officials and their lawyers defended the organization's decision to seek bankruptcy protection during a very contentious high-stakes federal court hearing in Dallas this week, saying the move is necessary in the face of what they describe as a politically motivated investigation by the state of New York. NRA General Counsel John Fraser, who was among those to take the stand Tuesday, acknowledged under cross-examination that he did not know about the bankruptcy petition until about the time it was filed. The NRA maintains it is in sound financial condition, but said it had to file for bankruptcy and planned to move to Texas because of the existential threat presented by New York Attorney General's lawsuit. Uh, in addition to the Attorney General, the NRA's longtime advertising agency, Ackerman McQueen, which we reported on extensively during the Mueller She Wrote uh, podcast, they're opposing the bankruptcy petition, arguing that it's a ploy to avoid litigation and scrutiny of the group's spending. Lawyers for the NRA countered that LaPierre acted appropriately, and they told uh, U.S. bankruptcy judge Harlan Hale that efforts to block the bankruptcy petition or remove LaPierre would put the organization at grave risk. Oh, no. In her opening statement, Connell urged the court to reject the NRA bankruptcy petition, right? Just don't. Don't let them file for bankruptcy, a decision that would make it easier for the state of New York to seize the group's asset if it wins the lawsuit it filed last August. Uh, filing a, a, a rejection of the petition, that Attorney General and Ackerman McQueen asked the judge Monday to appoint a trustee to run the organization during the bankruptcy process. And we've talked about this before, right? Uh, if you if you file bankruptcy, sometimes you got to have a third party independent person come in and run shit. Mm-hmm. Um, she said that LaPierre's private travel consultant will provide testimony in coming days to show, uh, showing she was instructed to conceal invoices showing LaPierre's flights to the Bahamas with stopovers to pick up LaPierre relatives in Nebraska. Prosecutors allege these trips were vacations billed to the NRA, but the NRA lawyer said the private flights were necessary to protect LaPierre's safety. Uh, and he maintained that replacing LaPierre and his team with a court-appointed trustee would pose an immediate threat to the organization's existence, saying a trustee is, in fact, a death sentence. So, mm, yeah, I'm really scared. And and as we know, uh, one of the things LaPierre did was went after Parkland and after... Um, right. After uh, mass shootings, he would flee to his friend's 108-foot private yacht uh, for safety concerns. That's kind of what, what they're sort of pitching. And the, the fact that he didn't tell anybody on the board about the, the bankruptcy filing is also really interesting. So I, we may see this judge um, not allow this bankruptcy to go forward. It will be really interesting to see what happens on that. But they're obviously in a lot of trouble, which is wonderful. That, that last sentence, a trustee, in fact, is a death sentence. That's interesting because they don't feel like an AR-15 is. But Right. <laughs> we just won't, we, you know, we won't split hairs with that. Guns don't kill people. Trustees kill people. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Um, this next one, good news story. We do. The city treasurer, Trishara Jones, won the St. Louis mayor's race Tuesday, Woo-hoo. defeating Alderman Kara Spencer in a contest matching two progressive Democratic women. So Jones will be the first black female mayor 
of St. Louis. Now, unofficial final returns show Jones pulling in about 52% of the vote and Spencer about 48%. And this is a quote, it's time for St. Louis to thrive. Jones, who will be the first black woman to hold office, told cheering supporters Tuesday night at the Omega Center in North St. Louis, it's time to bring a breath of fresh air to our neighborhoods. Now, meanwhile, in Wisconsin, Picatonica? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that I think that's right. Yeah, Picatonica School District Superintendent Jill Underly will be the next state superintendent, bringing to an end a contentious race for Wisconsin's top education position. So Underly, who had heavy backing from Democrats and teacher unions in an officially nonpartisan election, defeated former Brown Deer School District Superintendent Deborah Kerr um, by double digits. This is according to the Associated Press, which called, who called the race. They called the race at 9.26 p.m. She said, here's my promise to every family, student, and Wisconsinite, young and old. Regardless of who you voted for, I will always do my best for our kids. Underly said that during a press conference. She continued to on, we have a long road ahead of us, and I'm ready to get to work on day one and build a stronger, more equitable public education system that provides every child every day with a world-class public education system they deserve. um, Underly edged out Kerr in a seven-way primary Goodness, in February, a seven-way primary, but had raised more than a million since the beginning of February, with the majority coming from the Democratic Party of Wisconsin. Kerr had raised about 71,000 during that same period. 71,000 to a million, with large amounts coming from where? Republican donors. I wouldn't say large amounts, but... Mm -mm. Scott Walker-backed, Trump-backed lady, so... Bye bye. So that's good news. And and as we know, everything starts with local elections. Indeed. So well done. Uh, now I do have more headlines to get to. And then, of course, later on, we'll have the good news. So stick around. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG with the Daily Beans. And this episode of the show is brought to you by Magic Spoon. It's the incredibly delicious but super healthy cereal that brings joy to your mornings or afternoons or evenings or nighttime snack times. It's very delicious and incredible. It is seriously my favorite thing right now. Uh, And my favorite thing growing up was cereal, too. I used to sit down, watch Saturday morning cartoons, eat a bowl of cereal, drink the milk after. But as an adult, I've had to give it up because of, you know, most cereals are made with sugar and carbs and junk, but not Magic Spoon. It tastes exactly like regular cereal from your childhood, but it's super nutritious. Magic Spoon has, amazingly, zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving. Oh, and only 140 calories per serving, too. It is keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free. And, exciting news, Magic Spoon is releasing two amazing new flavors for a limited time only. We're talking about cookies and cream and maple waffle. And if that's not the most comforting, indulgent combination, I do not know what is. This is the ultimate treat-yourself combo, so make sure you get some while you can for a limited time. Or you can build your own box. Available flavors to build your very own custom bundle are cocoa, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, and cinnamon. I love the great new flavors. Combining them is amazing, too. I like to do cocoa and peanut butter. It's delicious. Uh, so go to magicspoon.com slash dailybeans. Grab the new limited edition cookies and cream, maple waffle, or custom bundle of cereal to try today. And be sure to use promo code dailybeans at checkout to save $5 off your order. This offer is now good anywhere in the U.S. or Canada, but only when you use our code at checkout. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they will refund your money. No questions asked. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash dailybeans and use the code dailybeans to save $5 off. It's amazing. You will be so glad you did. 
All right, everybody, welcome back. Uh, before I get to Matt Gates, I wanted to give you an update on a report that Andrew Torres and I did on the charges against Representative Park Cannon. That's the Georgia state rep that was arrested for knocking on Governor Kemp's door when he was signing that voter suppression bill. Uh, and she was charged with two felonies. In that breakdown on Clean Up on Aisle 45, Torres and I talk about how nothing she did met any of the legal requirements for those two felonies. And she was facing eight years max based on the totally inappropriate charge. Charges. They overcharged her. It was absolutely ridiculous. Well, Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis says she will not prosecute Park Cannon after the lawmaker was arrested for knocking on Kemp's door. Uh, on Thursday, Willis said she decided to close the case after reviewing the evidence provided by in-person interviews with citizen witnesses and the statements, video evidence, and multiple police reports from the Capitol Police. Quote, while some of Representative Cannon's colleagues and the police officers involved may have found her behavior annoying, such sentiment does not justify a presentment to a grand jury of the allegations in the arrest warrants or any other felony charges. That's a statement from Fannie Willis. Facts and evidence showed to the world that Rep. Cannon committed no crime and should not have been arrested. That's Attorney Gerald Griggs, who represents Cannon, and, and then went on to say, we thank the district attorney for her thorough review of the evidence and are weighing our next legal actions. So they could sue. I hope they do. Now, all right, on to the latest in the Matt Gates ongoing drama. Matt Gates sought a preemptive pardon for himself near the end of the former guy's term and made his request known to someone outside the White House counsel's office, according to two people familiar with the matter. But Gates's request was never seriously considered by the White House because they decided preemptive pardons were off the table. And let me just tell you real quick what a preemptive pardon is. It is a pardon for crimes you have committed but have not yet been charged for. I don't want you to confuse it with future crimes because you can't issue a pardon for crimes for behavior that hasn't happened yet. Um, so a preemptive pardon, what they mean here, isn't a future crime. It's a past crime or past criminal behavior that has not yet been charged. In the final days of the former guy's term, CNN reported that Pat Cipollone and other lawyers for the president told him he should not pardon himself, his family, or any Republican lawmakers in a prospective manner unless he was prepared to list specific crimes. Gates's push for his pardon, first reported by the New York Times, came during the closing months of the Trump-era Justice Department when federal investigators were beginning an investigation into whether he had a sexual relationship with a 17-year-old girl. The Times reported Tuesday, and I want to correct that language. It's not a sexual relationship with a 17-year-old girl. That is rape. Uh, but the Times reported Tuesday that it's unclear what Gates knew of the inquiry at the time of his request, and he didn't tell White House aides when he sought the pardons that he was under investigation. So we don't know if he knew, but I bet he knew. Barr knew. I'm sure Trump knew. Uh, but we don't know. We haven't confirmed that. Trump said in a statement Wednesday that Gates did not ask him for a pardon. Uh, now, Lots of listeners have asked me if it was possible that Trump could have issued a secret pardon or could today issue a secret pardon and backdate it to before when he was president. Uh, I do not think that's the case based on a few factors. Most important, uh, the most important factor being that Gates is freaking the fuck out right now. And if he had a pardon in his hand, he'd be chill. The other issue is that if Gates were indicted uh, and he would have to wanted to go to court and say he's been pardoned. He would have to present the pardon in court and the prosecution would likely depose the former guy, question the validity of a pardon because no, it wasn't in the news. He didn't announce it to the Department of Justice uh, and they could depose the former guy and make him testify under oath that he did issue that pardon prior to him leaving office. But now that Trump has come out and said Gates didn't ask him for a pardon, it would be a harder thing to 
testify to under oath. He would have a harder time to convincing a jury that he did give Matt a secret pardon before January 20th. And it would have to list specific crimes, too, right? Uh, Unless it was just a blanket pardon. But probably the most interesting part of the pardon ask is that Gates apparently asked for a group pardon for him and some of his colleagues, Republican lawmakers. He didn't mention the investigation into him for sex trafficking, according to people familiar. But, you know, like I said, maybe he didn't know about it at the point. But to ask the White House for a blanket pardon for a group of Republicans, because the angry deep state Justice Department, which was run by Bill Barr at the time, would come after them for no reason, is ridiculous. Uh, In fact, the group pardon request may have been to provide cover for his own criminal conduct, right? So he's now he's uh, maybe he knows he's under investigation for this sex trafficking of a minor. So then he goes to the president and says, hey, here's a good idea. You should pardon me and Nunes and and, and Jim Jordan and uh, a handful of these other Republican colleagues because, you know, we haven't done anything wrong. Uh, but give us a blanket pardon in case the deep state comes after us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do that. Well, a lot of people think he was doing that to cover up the fact that he was specifically being investigated for this. And something that came up in some reporting from Politico and retweeted by Harry Littman and commented on by Joyce Vance. This is interesting. And that's the relationship between Joel Greenberg and Matt Gates, and that it wasn't an equal one, right? Gates had the power in that relationship. And that's important if the Department of Justice wants to try to get Greenberg, who's facing 33 charges and sits in prison right now awaiting trial, if they want to get him to flip and cooperate against Gates. Because Joyce Vance points out that juries don't like it. When a big fish gets a deal and testifies against a little fish, it's they like it the other way around. So it's important to understand the power dynamic and the relationship with the two. Here's a quote from that Politico article. The Gates-Greenberg relationship wasn't one of equals, according to mutual friends, who say the tax collector looked up to the congressman. As a a former state legislator, Gates was a regular fixture on Fox who had the president's ear. Greenberg introduced him to a handful of young women he met on Seeking Arrangement, which is a dating website that connects attractive women with so-called sugar daddies. That's according to friends. Greenberg regularly trolled the site for dates. Uh, Quote, Joel idolized Matt said one mutual friend who declined to be named. And since they both love beautiful women and Joel seemed to have an endless access to them, it was definitely an additional incentive for Matt to stick around. Also, Joel is one of the funnest people you can hang out with. Okay, unquote. The two shared more than one girlfriend, according to interviews with eight friends and associates who know the two men. Gates described Greenberg as a wingman to some acquaintances and even promoted him uh, as a potential congressional candidate. Well, now some suspect Greenberg might be cooperating with prosecutors to build a case against Gates. I mean, he's facing 33 charges, all sorts of he was just indicted again, superseding indictment for embezzlement. Uh, and he, he faces a sex trafficking charge. Um, there's all sorts of things going on here. But he's he is in a position to deal. Uh, and if he had but the thing is, and Andy McCabe said this on CNN today, he you know, if if he cooperates, he has to tell the Department of Justice prosecutors everything, right? Everything. Now, another part of the story is that Matt Gates traveled a couple hours away to Greenberg's office and in the night after hours after the office was closed. And there's a video of them in an office going through IDs, him and Greenberg. Now, Gates tries to explain this away, saying he lost his wallet one time then went to the tax collector to get a new ID because that's what tax collectors do, he says. But when he found his wallet shortly after that, he told Greenberg he didn't need a new ID. I don't think tax collectors give IDs. Just my two cents. I'm pretty sure that's the DMV. But 
you know, I haven't lived in Florida in many, many years, so I don't like to talk about my time there, but I don't, you know, that's what tax collectors do. No, tax collectors collect tax, Matt. But uh, that's an interesting mm, defense as to why he would be after hours at an office two hours away from him in the middle of the night going through IDs. Well, I lost my wallet. I needed an ID, but then I found it and I didn't need it. (laughs) Okay. So besides Trump saying Gates never asked for a pardon, not much else has come up from the Trump camp about this. That's the interesting thing, too. Uh, From Politico, quote, as his political career skids toward disaster amid allegations that he had sex with a minor, that's called rape, and paid for sex with women of legal age, neither Trump nor anyone in the ex-president's orbit is rushing to Gates' defense. A group that often instinctively decries any such charge as part of some nefarious coordinated witch hunt from deep state operators has instead virtually said nothing at all. In the days since the news broke, the Department of Justice was looking into whether Gates had violated sex trafficking laws. That's, of course, he denies. No Trump aide or family member has tweeted about the Florida congressman, nor have almost any of the most prominent Trump supporter, Trump surrogates or Trump allied conservatives and media personalities, including Sean Hannity, Dan Bongino, Charlie Kirk, the American Conservative Union chair Matt Schlapp, at whose annual CPAC conference Gates recently appeared. The Daily Beast reported Friday that Trump himself was monitoring the situation but following the advice of aides to stay quiet about it. And several people familiar with the relationship said Gates and Trump had not spoken regularly lately, even if the, even after the lawmaker had offered to resign from Congress to join Trump's impeachment defense team in February. Operatives inside Trump world say the silence is owed to a variety of factors. Among them is the fact that Gates has always been regarded as a grenade whose pin had already been pulled. The congressman had a reputation for a wild personal lifestyle that, associates say, occasionally bordered on reckless. Some of Gates' own aides would regularly send embarrassing videos of Gates to other GOP operatives. One Trump confidant said, The reason you haven't seen people in MAGA world defending Gates is less about him being unpopular, which he is in a lot of circles, but more about the fact that he hasn't done a single thing to make people comfortable to defend him. His interview with Tucker was an absolutely embarrassing train wreck. So the investigation is still in its early stages, according to two people familiar with it. So I wouldn't count on an indictment anytime soon, but keep your eyes peeled for cooperation from Greenberg. I doubt that guy would give up a deal to protect Matt Gates. I have more headlines. I'll be right back right after this quick word. Stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this portion of the podcast is brought to you by Allform, bringing beautiful, customizable furniture to every room in your home. Allform is my new favorite furniture company. They craft the most gorgeous, high-quality sofas and chairs made to your specifications, and then they deliver directly to you with fast, free shipping. You customize the sofa using premium materials and at a fraction of the cost of traditional stores. And with Allform, you can pick your fabric, which is spill stain and scratch resistant. You pick the color of the sofa or the love seat or the chair, you, the fin- leg finish, like the finish of the legs there, the sofa size and shape to make sure it's perfect for you in your home. I got a three-seater sofa and customized it with whiskey-colored leather. I could never have a leather couch with the podcasts before, but now I can. And I have a walnut leg finish to match my mid-century mod vibe and a chaise lounge at the end. It's very nice. Came in a couple days. I put it together myself with no tools and I'm crazy about it. Normally, if you want a customized sofa, it can take weeks or months to arrive and you need someone to assemble it for you, but Allform takes just three to seven days. It comes in the mail and you can put it together yourself. They have gorgeous armchairs and love seats all the way up to eight seat sectionals, so there's something for everyone. And you can always start small and then buy more add-on later if your family grows or you move into a bigger house. 
Uh, they all form Sofa can grow and change with you. And best of all, you get 100 days to decide if you want to keep it. That's more than three months. And if you do not love it, they will pick it up for free. No hassle, no muss, no fuss. And they'll give you a full refund if you don't love it. But you will. And there's a forever warranty. So literally forever. So to find your perfect sofa, check out allform.com slash dailybeans. And Allform is offering 20% off all orders for listeners at allform.com slash dailybeans. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. There's an incredible investigative opinion piece in the Washington Post by Robert Pape, and he gives an analysis of the 377 Americans arrested or charged in the insurrection and what he's found about these folks. Now, Robert Pape is a professor of political science at the University of Chicago. He's the director of the Chicago Project on Security and Threats. And he says the January 6th assault on the Capitol by a violent mob at the behest of Donald Trump was an act of political violence intended to alter the outcome of a legitimate Democratic election. That much was always evident. What we know 90 days later is the insurrection was the result of large, diffuse, new kind of protest movement congealing in the United States. The Chicago Project on Security and Threats, or CPOST, working with court records, has analyzed the demographics and home county characteristics of the 377 people from 250 counties in 44 states that were arrested or charged in the Capitol attack. Those involved are, by and large, older and more professional than right-wing protesters we've surveyed in the past. They typically have no ties to existing right-wing groups, but like earlier protesters, they are 95% white, 85% male, and many live near and among Biden supporters in blue and purple counties. The charges have so far been generally in proportion to the state and or county populations as a whole. Only Kentucky, Maryland, Missouri, and Montana appear to have sent more protesters to D.C. suspected of crimes than their populations would suggest. Uh, Nor were these insurrectionists typically from deep red counties. Some 52% are from blue counties that Biden comfortably won. But by far the most interesting characteristic common to the insurrectionists' backgrounds has to do with changes in their local demographics. Counties with the most significant declines in the non-Hispanic white population are the most likely to produce insurrectionists who now face charges. For example... Texas is the home of 36 of the 377 charged or arrested. The majority of the state's alleged insurrectionists, 20 of them, live in six quickly diversifying blue counties, such as Dallas and Harris. In fact, all 36 of Texas rioters come from just 17 counties, each of which lost white population over the past five years. Three of those arrested or charged hail from Collin County, north of Dallas, which has lost white, uh, the white population at a very brisk rate of 4.3 percent since 2015. When compared with almost 2,900 other counties in the United States, our analysis of the 250 counties where those charge arrested live reveals that the counties um, that had the greatest decline in white populations had an 18% chance of sending an insurrectionist to D.C., while counties that saw the least white decline had only a 3% chance. This finding holds even when controlling for population size, distance to D.C., unemployment rate, and urban-rural location. It would also uh, it also would occur by chance less than once in a thousand times. Put another way, the people alleged by authorities to have taken the law into their own hands on January 6th typically hail from places where non-white populations are growing the fastest. He concludes by saying to ignore this movement and its potential would be akin to Trump's response to COVID-19. We cannot presume it will blow over. The ingredients exist for future waves of political violence from lone wolf attacks to all out assaults on democracy surrounding the 2022 midterm elections. It's really interesting findings uh, there from Mr. Pape. I recommend you read that uh, op-ed in the Washington Post. 
And 10 members of Congress who were in the House gallery as rioters breached the Capitol January 6th, they're adding their names to the lawsuit first filed in February against the former guy and his former personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani. That lawsuit, first brought by House Democratic Rep. Benny Thompson and the NAACP, accuses Trump and Giuliani of conspiring with extremist groups, the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers, to incite the riot at the Capitol. The amended lawsuit now details the personal stories of each member, describing how they narrowly narrowly escaped the mob and how some still have nightmares and anxiety months later. Quote, as I sat in my office January 6th with rioters roaming the hallways, I feared for my life. I thought I was going to die. That is Rep. Steve Cohen of Tennessee. He continues saying this invasion was a direct result of Donald Trump's rhetoric and words. His calls together in Washington on January 6th and his message to be strong thwarted the functioning of our Constitution. Cohen reveals um, in the lawsuit that he escaped to his office near the Capitol when the mob invaded, sitting with the lights off, turned off, holding a baseball bat in his hand for protection for two or three hours. The members joining this suit are Cohen, uh, Karen Bass of California, Bonnie Watson Coleman of New Jersey, Veronica Escobar of Texas, Hank Johnson Jr. of Georgia, Marcy Captor of Ohio, Barbara Lee of California, Jerry Nadler of New York, uh, Pramila Jayapal of Washington, and Maxine Waters of California. The lawsuit was the first civil action filed against a former president related to the attack on the Capitol, and it cited a scarcely used federal statute passed after the Civil War to combat violence from the Ku Klux Klan. That law allows civil actions to be brought against people who use force, intimidation, or threat to prevent anyone from upholding the duties of their office. So, as we know, this lawsuit is backed by the NAACP and its president, Derek Johnson, and he accused former President Trump of inciting a meticulously organized coup that placed members of Congress and the integrity of our democracy in peril. In addition to Trump and Giuliani, the far-right extremist groups Proud Boys and Oath Keepers are also named as defendants. This newly filed amended complaint additionally names as defendants the War Boys LLC, which operated in conjunction with the Proud Boys and Enrico Tario, Enrique Tario, the alleged leader of the Proud Boys and War Boys LLC. I think it's LLC, okay? So they, they've incorporated. And a D.C. judge rejected a request from accused Proud Boy and Capitol insurrectionist Chris, Chris Worrell for release from jail. Rejected. Worrell has been treated for 14 years for lymphoma and said he should be released on bail because he was concerned about COVID. But the judge said, you didn't seem concerned about COVID while in a mob on January 6th without a mask. And finally, a coalition of 140 national security leaders who served under Democrat and Republican administrations is urging congressional leaders to form a 9-11 style commission to investigate the January 6th insurrection. Quote, the events of January 6th exposed severe vulnerabilities in the nation's preparedness for presenting and responding to domestic terrorist attacks. The immediate security failings that permitted a lethal breach of the Capitol complex by armed extremists raised serious questions and demand immediate solutions. The attack showed a coordinated disinformation campaign, non-transparent financing of extremist networks, potential foreign influences, and white supremacist violent extremism. Understanding how these forces culminated in an attack on the infrastructure of our democracy is critical to preventing future attacks. And that's all in the letter. This letter was signed by national security leaders, including former secretaries of defense, Chuck Hagel and William Cohen, former secretaries of Homeland Security, Janet Napolitano, Jay Johnson and Michael Chertoff, and former director of national intelligence, James Clapper. House, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi appointed retired uh, Lieutenant General Russell Honore 
uh, to lead an investigation into the attack and has said she would assemble this 9-11 style commission as well. But those plans were thwarted. They've been in limbo since Mitch McConnell, of course, and others criticized the format, allowing Democrats to make more appointments than Republicans. And they wanted to add uh, that we needed to investigate the Black Lives Matter protests as well as the insurrection. And so now there's a call there. Everyone's calling for this this commission, an insurrection commission. Um, but you know what I think? I think Merrick Garland should appoint a special counsel to investigate it. Uh, that would be a nonpartisan commission. There would be presumably uh, security uh, people, national security experts. Um, you could have a couple of lawmakers on there if you wanted to, even amounts of each one, um, FBI agents, etc. cetera. Uh, unfortunately, because the former guy politicized uh, our, our Department of Justice and FBI, et cetera, so much, that would probably be seen as 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 partisan. I mean, they made the the Mueller investigation look partisan. So anything anything can be made to look partisan if you don't like what they're looking into. And the Republicans don't seem to want this to happen. But anyway, we'll see what happens. We'll keep you posted and we'll be right back with the good news. Stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this portion of the pod is brought to you by BetterHelp. Life will always be unpredictable and sometimes stressful, and it can be overwhelming. And when you're up against difficult and unexpected challenges, remember, you do not have to face it alone. I really recommend trying BetterHelp if you're dealing with anything preventing you from living a happy life. BetterHelp provides professional counseling to help you navigate challenges. And it's not a crisis line or self-help. It's licensed professional therapy done securely online. They assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and you can start communicating in under 24 hours. You know I've had my own challenges with post-traumatic stress, and I know how important it is to seek help rather than to do it by yourself. I love how convenient BetterHelp service is, too. It's available for clients worldwide, and you can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. Plus, since it's online, you have access to experts all over. You don't have to rely on who's nearby you. You get timely and thoughtful responses, and you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. And they're committed to facilitating great matches, too. So if you don't like your therapist or it's not working out, it's free and easy to change your counselor. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aids available. So visit their website, read some testimonials like this one by user TE uh, on BetterHelp, who says, Sharon is kind, compassionate, patient, and thoughtful. I'm immensely grateful for her attention and insight, and I highly recommend her. So visit BetterHelp.com slash Daily Beans. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And you can join the over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. There's a special offer for Daily Beans listeners, too. You can get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Daily Beans. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. And we need it today. Indeed. Yeah. So I am very excited about today's good news. We have a lot of different things. We have a new game. Somebody has suggested a new game is my understanding. Um, I, I've heard from one of our producers. So I'm going to kick us off with a submission here from Donna and Anne. She, her, them. Hello, and a huge thank you to everyone at the Daily Beans Muller She Wrote. As a team, you are also awesome. My name is Donna, and I was sleeping on a Trump-labeled bed for 10 years. Well, after a couple missteps and whatnots, my partner Ann and I now have a new mattress. Five stars and amazing are my comments, though it's different because of the foam, but we love it. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> the old mattress. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, we sent him a Helix mattress. Oh, yeah. I'm so glad you got it, you guys. It took a long time. Look at that ha- face, that happy face. <laughs> you know, because of 
COVID and manufacturing stuff, but finally they got it and they're no longer sleeping on a Trump branded mattress. Yay. Yay. All right. This next one has some emojis and I'll try and tell you about them as I go through. So this is from anonymous pronoun she and her. I had my first day working at our community vaccine clinic on Tuesday. At the end of the day, we had six leftover vaccines from the last vial open that we were hopeful to give out. Now, after making calls and looking around the building, we couldn't find anyone who needed or wanted sad face, the vaccine. So I volunteered to drive down to one of our local food truck parking lots and solicit people to head up to our facility and get vaccinated right now. Though I did find some who weren't interested, sad face, I was immediately able to find six awesome and enthusiastic community members who were stoked to get their first vaccine dose. Uh, We wasted no vaccines, and I had the privilege of spreading aloha and protecting our community. It was one of the most rewarding moments I've had in 10 years of nursing in my nursing career. Protect your community, get the vaccine. AJ, could you imagine how good it would feel to walk up to a stranger and be like, hey, listen, (laughs) would you like a shot in the arm and have their face light up? Oh, my God. I can't imagine. And, and, you know, like she says, most rewarding moments of a 10-year nursing career. That's just got to be so wonderful. It sucks that the people are like, no, I don't want it. Like, you know what? I know. It's so crazy to me. Yes, you do. <laughs> yes, yes, you, you do. do. It's not about you, dick. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, people. Anyway, congratulations. Thank you. Um, and thank you for working at a, at a vaccine clinic. Indeed. Seriously. Next up from M, pronoun she and her. Hello. A few weeks ago, I submitted my uh, getting my puppy dog, Larceny, as good news. Now I'm wondering if you'd like to play What the Mutt with him since we have his DNA results back. Ooh. Feel free to follow his adventures at, at good underscore Larceny on Instagram. We love the show and never miss an episode, though Larceny usually sleeps through it. Of course he does. Good luck. All right. Let's see. Let's look at this little guy. Okay. I got to turn these. Okay, this is a full... Oh, I love the bourbon. Um, okay. I see... Chihuahua. Ro- I see either Chihuahua or Dachshund, but I think probably Chihuahua. But I also see, like, Rottweil and German Shepherd. Such a tiny dog, though. I know. I see Rot, though. Or Dobie. Those ears tell me... Maybe Minpin? Maybe Miniature Pincher? Oh, maybe Minpin. Um Chihuahua. But there could be a big dog in there. I don't know. Let's see. I think there's a, I think there's a big dog in there. Australian cattle dog. Oh, my God. 50% poodle. <laughs> poodle, beagle, some Russell-type terrier, and super mutt. So Boy, bad. So bad at this. We got none. Oh, wait. wait. What could be in the super mutt? Dachshund and Chihuahua oh. and Pekingese. <laughs> you and I got the tiniest little portions. <laughs> 50% Australian cattle dog? Really? I swear to God, after I see some of these freezing G, I think to myself, have I ever seen a dog before? Like, do I know what dogs are? Right? Oh, my God. That's really funny. Oh, incredible. Oh, God. Okay. Is it me? Yep. To you. It's me. This is from Moy. No pronouns given. Hey, hey, Beans Queens. First of all, a big thanks to my sponsor. I alerted my hubby to listen that day, and he was geeked out to know that I finally sent in our pod pet tax and wrote you ladies. I cannot say thank you enough for what you do bringing the news with a lot of unfiltered pizzazz. We need more women like you in the media. Hubby keeps saying he needs to message AG and ask a question, however, keeps procrastinating. Maybe you need to call him out. Damn, he doesn't have social media, so I guess you ladies need to shout it out. Joshua, hey, send the damn questions in so we can answer them. (laughs) All right, attach some more pet pics 
of our cats. The first two are of Apollo. He's a big boy with a man cat face. I know what that is now. (laughs) (laughs) And loves to cuddle with hubby. Then there's Asimi loafing on grandma's bed. Oh, he does have a man cat face. See how it's very manly face? Yep. Very manly. Oh, look at the arms, Army. So cute. Oh, Oh, hello. Hello, gray ghost. Oh, these are adorable. Thank you for sending these in. Joshua, email us your damn questions. All right, next up from Alexis, no pronouns given. Last week, both my husband Rob and I got our second shots of Moderna. Woohoo! We're among the last of our immediate family to get fully vaccinated. While he experienced mild side effects from the jab, I was knocked out for almost a week with extreme fatigue, fever, chills, and horrible body pains. I'm finally out of bed. I can't wait to hug my family. We moved next door to my mom, brother, and brother-in-law in August of 2019, not knowing COVID was lurking around the corner. As much as I like talking with them through the fence, like Wilson from Home Improvement, I'm sure our neighbors would appreciate if I took that BS inside. Uh, now i can go over and say yes when my mom offers to put the kettle on we're also excited to visit my husband's family and finally get to meet uh, and hold our newest niece she was born last year in october and we've only seen her on zoom or from 20 feet away oh i'm so glad you get this oh and then kitty the babies i know they're so sweet my goodness Oh, thank you thank so you for much that. for that. Yes. All right. This next one's from Paul, pronouncing in him, Dear A.G. and Dana, I start every morning with your podcast. It's the best coverage of political and social issues facing us today. Your discussion about Irish twins over the past few days brought a big smile to my face. I'm part of a family of seven with 10 years between oldest and the youngest. I'm directly in the middle with two older brothers and an older sister, two younger brothers, and a younger sister. Sometime I will write you about the challenges of being a middle child. My God. It just takes some time little girl you're in the middle half of <laughs> everything everything would be just fine paul everything would be just fine. yes my mom was irish catholic although she was quite a progressive no. feminist i know hey she was a very progressive feminist ag and my dad was eastern european catholic technically none of us were irish twins the closest were about 13 months apart but except for my youngest brother who followed a miscarriage we were all within two years of each other being so close together there was always someone to play with but also someone to fight with fighting and playing is equal measure my poor mother was a saint i remember when she would take us to the library when we could uh be the one busy street um when we came to the one busy street we needed to cross and she would have to cross us two or three at a time oh my god how funny we frequently drove her crazy with our playing and fighting one time when my brother john put his fist through a window pane in anger when my oldest brother tom stole his rubber band ball as my of mother but of course as my mother butterfly the cut and on his hand she was also a registered nurse i vividly remember her lovingly telling him that she should let him bleed to death <laughs> <laughs> the good news is that we siblings all survive. Childhood as adults are all quite close. Sadly, both my mother and my father have passed several years ago, but their love lives in all of us. As my pet tax, I'm including a picture of the gang circa 1966. As you can tell, my father caught all the boys' hairs himself. Oh my God, these kids are cute. As a pet tax, I'm including a picture of Eloise who gets a little depressed during the winter, but is loving the warm weather and are starting to get to spring arrives. Look at these kids. This is a handsome family. It is a very handsome family. Aww. Beautiful, beautiful kids. And look at the monorail cat. Aww. Oh my God, that's funny. Uh, uh, and then there's a belly. Oh, the next one. Yep. Okay. Oh, you have a long one to end with. Yep. Yep. Finally, from Terry. <laughs> Pronoun she and her. I have to share a swear. It's the best swear I ever learned from my dad. Jesus H. Bald-headed Christ on a crutch and George W. God. (laughs) I don't know why, 
but it kind of works. I want to hear some dad going, Jesus H. Bald-headed Christ and a crushing George W. God. Yeah. <laughs> so this is our new game, Share a Swear. If you oh, have one. Oh, Share a Swear. That's if a you have one. one that you've heard. Um, I remember we used to say Jumpin' Jesus on a pogo stick all the time, which we got from a Dead Milkman song. Um it, send it in share a swear if you have one and and that go, that's dedicated to the people who keep commenting on on my latest tweet to rand paul that i would be a great if i just would wouldn't swear so much if was more of a lady you are a lady well, indeed fuck you um <laughs> thank you i appreciate it uh if you have anything you want to send in you want to share a swear with us you want to do play what the mutt or if you have a misheard song lyric you have confession correction whatever you've got send it in to us with pod pet tax uh, included if you have pets uh you could do that at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact and that's it for today. Do you have any? I won't be here tomorrow. You're going to. That's what I have. Yes. AG is putting this baby in my hands. And I, I'm going to get it as close as to humanly possible of what AG has created. I have a very special co-host. Her name begins with Mary and ends with Trump. So she will be with us for part of the time. So I do hope you enjoy it. Um, hopefully you'll cut us any slack we need. But we've got a great team behind the scenes that are going to make me look very, very good tomorrow. <laughs> So Dana and Mary take over the beans. Yes. I'm excited. I'm excited to hear it. I appreciate you covering for me so I can have a day of rest. My pleasure. You've earned it more than one. I thank you. I thank you very much. And uh until gosh, I, I will see y'all. I I'll see patrons Friday at the meet and greet and then patrons for cleanup on aisle forty five on Saturday. We're doing a, a trivia game, like pub trivia on a Zoom call nice. where where uh, you can Andrew Torres and I will be on one team and everyone else can have teams of up to five people and you try to beat us at trivia it's gonna be fun otherwise we'll we'll talk to you all Monday until then everybody please take care of yourselves take care of each other take care of your mental health and take care of the planet I've been AG and I've been DG and them's the beans The Daily Beans is directed, written, and hosted by executive producer Allison Gill and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Audio. Staff writers include Dana Goldberg, Amy Carrero, and Allison Gill. Our copy is written by Jesse Egan, and our marketing manager, executive assistant, and social media director is Kanai. Fact-checking and research by Allison Gill, Dana Goldberg, and Amy Carrero. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder of Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. Hey, everybody, do not miss our Daily Beans After Party on the Stereo app. We'll be going live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Dana and I want to hear from you. Our last stereo show went a little bit like this. What about you, ladies? What are your favorite nonsensical songs? The most weird, bizarre, silly stuff you can think of that you've heard through music. Thank you very much for all you do. Um, Hope you're all well. Talk to you soon. Bye now. Oh my God, AGI. So I have an older gay brother. I don't know if that's relevant to the story, but I feel like it is because he had the B-52s on the record. So it was like, you know, we were into the, has anybody seen a dog died dark green, sunglasses and a bonnet, designer jeans with appliques on it. We were like, what? Like, the rain. Like, I'm like, how many drugs was that person on? Uh, nonsensical songs. You're so much better at this than I am. So you go first because I bet you've already thought of one and I'll try and think of one. Um, my favorite nonsensical songs come from They Might Be Giants, for example. Oh, yes. Boat of Car is really good. And then, of course, I'm going down to Cowtown. A cow's a friend to me. Lives beneath the ocean. That's where I will be beneath the waves. The waves. And that's where I will be. I'm going to see the cow beneath the sea. Yeah.
There you go. No. Although, were they talk? What was he whale watching? Is it really that obscure? <laughs> you won't answer any questions about their lyrics. I, I've asked multiple times. Oh my god! Uh, the best I, can I, lo I love them. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. The best I can get out of them is the explanation of uh, "Birdhouse in Your Soul," which we already yeah. knew, right? Right. So. Not to put too fine a point on it. Say I'm only being your bonnet. Yeah, it's a little birdhouse. Point of soul. view. Uh, sung from the point of view of a, a bluebird nightlight in the bathroom. Yeah. Yep. yeah, I love that song. It's one of my favorite ones.